Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Pledge Allegiance. This week, I'm super excited to bring on the folks at BGD Labs. They have recently proposed to become one of the full-time dev teams working on Aave and have put together quite an extensive and thorough proposal to really play a key role for Aave, help shepherd the transition from V2 to V3, and just really become essential developers in the protocol. And recently, the proposal went up on Aave governance. Hopefully, by the time of this podcast release, it will be over. But yeah, thus far, things are, are looking pretty good for the proposal. And the purpose of bringing them on today is really just so everyone here can meet them and listen to them talk about their backgrounds, how they came together with this proposal, and how they plan to build Aave going forward. Because the scope of the proposal really is quite impressive. So yeah, without further ado, I'm really excited to welcome Emilio, Ernesto, and Andre. So thank you for taking the time to join me today. Hi there. Thanks for having us here. Thank you, guys. So to jump right into it, what is BGD Labs? And you guys are obviously long-time Aave contributors. What is your background? Yeah, so BGD Labs, uh, well, I mean, it's difficult to explain what is BGD Labs without saying like who we are. As three, so BGD Labs is, uh, as you quite precisely explain, a, a community initiative on the Aave community that want to be onboarded. So one of the developer teams participating in the in the Aave ecosystem. So basically, like we design a list of tasks to participate in more or less all the developments that are in production or to be done during the next 15 months. And yeah, basically, we are just a development team that will try to tackle that the best way possible. About ourselves, like, so we were part of the Aave Genesis team before which is the team that uh, did like, the heavy lifting of the protocol before and once it went uh, fully decentralized. So like the development of ABV1, the development of ABV2, and even the development of ABV3 for them, the community to accept. So like our background is that we have like important roles there. And now we are transitioning more to the community side and try to keep helping from that side. Yeah. I'd like to ask the question that everyone is probably wondering. How did you guys come up with the name Board Ghost Developing? I think it's a bit of a joke because like we were not precisely bored during the last four years or so. So like for people that know us, they probably know, know that. So like we say, okay, why not going into the irony side of like in, in the naming and, and putting the board ghosts there? There is some other people asking us if we have any NFT or so, but like no, we don't we don't have it any or we don't plan to have any close future. So, so yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a humor point. Yeah. Love it, guys. Is BGD something that you guys recently formed? Like how long have you been ideating on this idea? When exactly did you guys sort of move on from working on Ave Genesis to, to this role? You know, in general, like at some point, for example, in my case, I left Ave and then I had quite some time to think what to do next. And I traveled a bit. And then I realized that I still too attached to this ecosystem. It has so much stuff to do. And yeah, we started discussion with Ernest and Emilio about that, that it's uh, really funny. And at the same time, we see that the company is moving forward. But at the same time, it is a lot of stuff to do if you will make a step back and we'll start looking around. And I think that's how we, we came. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it was quite progressive and, like, not so much time ago, like, because uh, Andre, for example, like, left the Genesis team at the end of last year, I think. My case was kind of the same. I think it was, like, October or November. And even in the case of Emilio, like, his transition was, like, now almost, <laughs> I think, one month ago or, or so. So, like, the decision of forming these BGD labs was, like, around... Like the final decision was around the time that the Emilio did the transition to the community. And yeah, we say like, we still have a lot to give to the Aave ecosystem. So like, that's what. I think it's also part of kind of natural evolution of how we all share the vision that what we are building now and like what DeFi is really about is to be truly decentralized at all levels. It's not just a matter of smart contracts, but it's also a matter of like community involvement, uh, community contribution, and like uh, participation. So we all share the view that 
decentralization doesn't only mean immutability or smart contracts or blockchain, but it also means like community ownership and community contribution, which essentially also expands what we have seen until now, where there are already many contributors on the Aave governance and BGD Labs participation will further expand the contribution in terms of core development. And one of our main goal is also to keep growing the community from development community and like bringing more and more participants to the Aave ecosystem. So it comes full circle after almost four years of building Aave. Awesome. And yeah, clear from doing some research on the podcast that you guys have been pretty longtime contributors and really understand Ave. And before we talk about the proposal specifically and what you guys plan to work on, I'm curious what you guys think about sort of Ave strategic positioning in the market right now in terms of lending, borrowing, and as well as other use cases. Like there's obviously a ton of things going on. Ave is really dominating the lend borrow market expanding to multiple chains and seems like there really is a lot going on. So just curious how you guys think about Aave and what's important to execute on going forward. I mean, since we started with Aave V1, we always tried to iterate on new versions in a way that this would bring, would have kind of a hedge against like other competing protocols. But in general, giving as many use cases as possible to the users using Aave. And like, I mean, in terms of usage, in terms of TVL, I think it's pretty clear that in ter- uh, as other liquidity protocols, Aave right now is the biggest on Ethereum, is the biggest on Avalanche, is the biggest on Polygon, and is quickly growing on other chains as well. Like Arbitrum is already in top five or top six, I think, protocols. Even we just deployed less than one month ago without actual incentives or anything. So I think we pretty much achieved the goal with the latest version V3. We kind of achieved the goal of having as many use cases as possible on the Aave protocol that would essentially differentiate the Aave protocol from other competing products. So I think, for example, of emode like we have seen for example how the listing of STEs on Lido STEs on uh, on the V2 market growth quite a, an important growth in the last couple of months where STEs essentially grew already at 3.5 billion and is bringing a lot of demand in terms of ETH borrowing this will probably even more clear with the listing of SAVAX and like STMatic which with the corresponding team they just created, I think they created already the snapshots or the proposals, I don't remember. But like one of the biggest markets for sure in the next months will be like the derivative markets. So ETH taking derivatives, Avalanche taking derivatives, Polygon's taking derivatives and so on and so forth. And in that particular case, Aave, especially with V3 as a big hedge compared to the market, the rest of the market, because... We have some features that allow like the protocol to scale much faster and like to satisfy user demand while at the same time keeping risk in check and in place, which is something that we always focused on since the beginning. So, I mean, with that said, like as the other guys mentioned already, there is still a lot to build. There is a lot to improve. Like my personal goal and my personal objective is to see Aave at 100 billion by the end of the year. I'm not sure it will be able to achieve, but with the merge coming and like with all the things that we are planning for the development of the Aave protocol, I think we can do it and we will see how things go in the next months. One thing we've seen with the bunch of different protocols where there's a decentralized community where it's kind of a bunch of random people or groups working on the protocol is there's really no formal coordination. And so as a result, what sometimes happens is these different groups have different ideas for the future, probably different initiatives they want to run with. And as a result, there's just like a lack of consensus. And so there's a bunch of debate on, hey, what should we do? But no one actually does anything. And it seems like Ave, at least from the outsider's perspective, sort of figured this out, right? How to have a discussion, but also how to move quickly and ship things and choose a direction and go for it. 
what made Ave so successful in that strategy? Are there any sort of is there any sort of magic sauce you can share? Well, I'm not fully sure if there is some some magic sauce, and and, and obviously like uh, there is obstacles in like in the road, but in general, I think like it boils down to the ethos. Like we started with one idea, like even when ABB One, like when we deployed ABB One, and everything was pretty small for let's say two three months. And our idea was to be one of the main actors in DeFi, like when DeFi was still just more or less a concept and not a reality. So like, obviously there needs to be some kind of leadership and the Genesis team did that like pretty well, the Genesis team that we were part of, obviously. But at the same time, I think like being really clear with that ethos while exercising that leadership is completely fundamental in the sense that you need to protect the ecosystem against yourself. I would say, like yourself as sole entity. So when we were developing things, like always the objective was, okay, like how we imagine a situation where how this feature will work or how this deployment will work at the moment that we will not be there or there will be nobody leading any kind of conversation. Will it be like functional from a coordination point of view from the community or will it be like something so, so complex that in reality, is basically impossible like for somebody to take care of if it's not ourselves that we build it. For example, one of the focus during development in these protocols that I think is completely fundamental is how we think thinking on integrators all the time. I will say that usually was the main point of architecture, assigned decisions and so on, of thinking how we do this for other projects to be like really comfortable to work on top of, of Aave. And that basically at the end of the day, like uh, helped us a lot because like you get like integrators talking about good about your code base, talking about good about the support that you are giving them and on, on the things that they can just do by themselves. Because as we are seeing now, like there is like a lot of teams out there, like already proposing things to have, I, I don't know, something Emilio mentioned STE. So for example, Instadap uh, did a proposal optimizing like really core parts of the protocol, how it can be the interest rate strategy. So. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think like this combination of like being responsible and trying to do things well, and at the same time, always trying to imagine how it will be like the world without you, like supporting that technology. So. Also, sometimes I think that we was in the situation when we start talking like, okay, we can in theory add these parameters or maybe add this functionality, but we don't see the clear use case. But then you start analyzing and you understand like, in DeFi, everything is so crazy and everything can happen so fast that you cannot predict, like, does it make sense to have a flash loan or does it make sense to have some, you know, claim on behalf of somebody in some particular case? And then, like, you see and quite fast, you see the use cases. And this, is, I think, is also a very important moment. Definitely. And, yeah, I think there's a ton going on in Aave. And, yeah, from the proposal you guys are working on, Basically, every version deprecating v1, maintaining v2, listing new assets, and yeah, helping manage the transition to v3. I'm curious, like, what was the motivation behind sort of spinning out from Ave Genesis essentially and, and working sort of for the DAO directly? And obviously, you mentioned earlier, like, part of it's creating redundancy and creating a separate sort of entities that can manage and help maintain Ave, but just curious, like, why do it and why work for the DAO? My particular case, uh, this is the reason why I joined the movement in the first place. You know, when I learned about decentralized systems and governance and, like, community coordination, this is always what I wanted to do. Of course, like, you start as a company, you start with an infrastructure that allows you to move in the real world, like it was done with Ave. But then in my case, my personally, the way I felt it is that once you built it and the system is there and is working and is real, the system is truly decentralized. It's something that exists on the Ethereum blockchain. It's managed through the governance. And like the fact that anyone can access, can propose to improve or can contribute in whatever way to the system and eventually get paid for it, I think it's really powerful and I think it's something that is still deeply unexplored. As Larry mentioned before, like many protocols are trying it like in different ways. What I believe is that 
you cannot reinvent the wheel. The wheel is the wheel and like the way community organizes around a certain goal. Technology doesn't change that. The blockchain doesn't change human behavior. It doesn't change like human constructions. So you cannot expect like a group of people are just randomly working together to really achieve anything meaningful unless there is some kind of hierarchy and organization and a clear goal for everyone. And I think this is a very, very deep and unexplored aspects of decentralization. My case is what I always wanted to do since the beginning, since Ave was created, since we created Ave Governance. And now I'm doing it, I'm pretty happy about it. And the way I'm trying to do it is that whenever I can, I try to bring other people working in the community and for the community, because I think that is the way that you grow a strong ecosystem and especially truly decentralized and, and reliable. That is, in my opinion, what really matters. Interesting fact is that in different ways, like the original Ave company can still keep, it's still a contributor of the space, but it's one of the many contributors. There will be us, there is uh, Gauntlet, there is Sertora doing secure, managing security. There are other like teams like creating proposals all the time. Uh, hopefully in the future, there will be more. So like the more people contribute, the stronger the, the community and the ecosystem is. So this is what I believe. Super helpful. And yeah, I think I've seen Emilio, you specifically have been pretty active in Ave governance for a long time. Sounds like you guys are definitely used to interacting and working for the community in a public facing role. I'm curious if you can double click on going forward, what will the task allocation and split be between BGD and some of these other maintainers, if you will, such as Ave Company, maybe Sertora, Gauntlet, like who's working on what? How do you make sure you don't work on the same things? What does the collaboration there look like, if there is any? I think that is actually one of the most challenging aspects of this new model of like having like uh, basically businesses contribute to DAOs and all of them at the same time. In our case, honestly, it should be pretty simple because the ones that you mentioned, for example, are quite like siloed, let's say, like contribution as it should be, in my opinion. So for example, you have Gauntlet that is mainly on the on the risk side. Then you have Sertora, which is more like a, a support a security side. I mean, security, but they like to support the development teams build, building on top of Ave. Then you have, I don't know, like uh, Jama, for example, or Lama is... Uh, he was working a bit on treasury optimization and more on the, let's say, financial side and DeFi financial side. And then you have obviously the development side, which uh, usually is perceived as like the core aspect of everything. But more than the core aspect and in what, uh, in what rewards us, BGD, I will say that it's more a bit like the glue. The specific tasks that are purely technical, that are on the list of, of tasks that we put there, like can it be, I don't know, like technical deprecation of B1 or the development of B3 governance, or like migration, like building like the smart contracts to support the migration B2, B3. But then if you see in the list, like uh, some of them are like even defined there as coordination or support to other teams or like um, empowering integrations, like those kind of things that are not so quantifiable, let's say, are really, really fundamental in this stage of the community because the reality is that when you try to just do everything by yourself, then the system becomes quite centralized in terms of dependency with a particular organization. But if nobody uh, like takes these kind of roles of coordination, uh, like basically everything will or will be stopped or there will be conflicts or misunderstandings everywhere. So our objective is partially that, like facilitate that. Then obviously if, when somebody comes and say, okay, we want to submit this proposal to contribute on this other part of the development, obviously we will support 100% and help uh, however we can. And it was never the objective just to, to take over the whole development because like Ave is it's a huge system at the moment and it's going to only get bigger over time. So there is place for everything. Yeah. But in general, it's also the topic why we are bored ghosts because we like the boring stuff. And majority of the tasks you will check sounds quite, quite boring to do deprecation here, to do migration there. It's not something new or innovational, but actually when you're looking at it from the position of engineer, it's really, really interesting and challenging. And I think that's 
in this case, we are quite on the safe side because what we are going to do will be quite boring for majority of the people. And I think that community will jump more on the use cases or new technology ideas like, you know. Awesome. Yeah, I think coordination for various contributors working for DAOs is honestly one of the main unsolved challenges, I would say. Like, you can't just put a bunch of smart people in a room, like, tell them to work together and the protocol ships product. Like, it doesn't work like that. So I think it's, yeah, definitely good to have some siloed and, and you need some coordination. I don't know what that looks like. I think it depends, but yeah. I think what Andre mentioned before is important because, like, once you have something in, in, in innovative, like it was Ave, it still is Ave, although, like, it's been now working for a couple of years, but it's still like new technology and still like experimental technology in some ways. So what Andre mentioned before is important because like you also need to consolidate your work. You know, it's not like things don't grow just because you created them and they magically go mainstream or they become the reference project for DeFi space. You need to keep developing, keep consolidating what you created. And at the same time, you need to do this in the safest way possible because like we are talking protocols that manage billions of assets and always keeping in consideration how this technology evolves. It evolves very, very quickly in two years in the crypto space are like 20 years in another like field. So this is very challenging. And at the same time, this is, I believe, super important to keep Aave in the position it is and actually strengthen the position as market leader in terms of liquidity protocols. And in terms of uh, strengthening Aave's positioning in the market, obviously cross-chain is one of the most important areas of that. It's something that I think is one of the hottest topics in crypto. We just did a podcast last week with Axler, one of the leading bridge providers. I think, yeah, just from following Aave's strategy, it's been in terms of crossing, it's been like deploying on EVM chains and just immediately really becoming dominating due to its brand and distribution. Yeah, just curious, like how you guys think about the strategy so far and what you think going forward in terms of non-EVM chains, how you guys at BGD will work on it. Is it you guys? Is it someone else? And how you think this space will evolve? I think like the expansion to, to other chains, like as you say, is pretty clear. It's on the core of the Aave ecosystem. Like even when the let's say the boom of this alternative EVM based chains started, like we were, I think like, the first mover there. Even if uh, obviously is uh, well, in the case of our protocol, it's a bit more risky than others. That can it be like I don't know, like Uniswap or like this kind of DEXs because our protocol has a bit more dependencies. For example, like liquidity needs to be healthy in external places uh, to have and in the same chain, obviously. Or, for example, like we need uh, like reliable Oracle infrastructure around. So uh, even uh, due to those requirements, we saw pretty early that it was quite a strategic to go, for example, to Polygon first, to Avalanche after. And now with V3, we completely consolidated that idea because uh, it's like now Avi is deploying on on basically all of the main uh, operative like EVM chains and, and rollups. And in those that is not deployed yet, uh, well, probably is in the process of like a snapshot or governance forum of getting approved that it can be in like MITIS or like can be in Gnosis chain and so on. So that was the policy all the time about non-EVM chains. Like we are not really forgetting. So for example, like uh, personally, I'm, I'm involved uh, also with with Andre and Emilio, but outside the labs, even from before, I'm involved in this uh, Aven Starnet collaboration, like to trying to, to already do something on the Starnet side, even if it's not an EVM chain at the moment. And it looks that probably before the end of the year, like we should be also on, on the other protocol, should be on the Starnet. So our policy, like, is uh, for sure, like, to keep that rhythm. And from the BE labs perspective, is part of our task and we will support however we can like with uh, these networks that they want uh, the protocol deployed there or, or like anything related with that. So always open hands, let's say, to the new chains. Totally makes sense. I think, yeah, it's pretty interesting to see the different approaches that the teams are using. And yeah, I think Ave has certainly been a big and first mover and the results have certainly started to show. 
Yeah, also, you know, why uh, V3 is so important in this case, because uh, the portals feature was introduced there, and that's actually kind of the glue which can help to join all protocols all together cross-chain. Because at the moment, it's quite a big problem to move liquidity. But when you have liquidity already, and this is like quite big amount of liquidity, you can say, okay, I allow in, uh, you deposit on mainnet, I will allow you to withdraw on Avalanche, and then I will settle a bit after because I have a gap. And uh, we think that this will also do a lot of interesting things in the close future. Because some uh, chains, for example, at the moment, don't have quick bridging. Like, it can be one day or like no bridges at all. Yeah, it's like... For example, like initially, it could be perceived that they have a protocol, even if we always talked about like multi-chain uh, protocols since we started like uh, the deployment on Polygon and Avalanche, but it could be perceived a bit like small islands of uh, other deployments, kind of isolated one from another. But uh, with B3, that is uh, for sure going to change somehow. Like we don't even know for sure how it's going to look <laughs> in the next year or so in terms of like the, the details. But the, what is clear is like the B3 and usually happens with more B3s out there is like huge leap compared with the previous version and even leap on, on like on what we can do with B3. Like it's pretty clear that, for example, people right now even doesn't see completely what you can do with Uniswap B3 because it's a complex protocol. Obviously, like people see the optimization of, of the functions, of the swaps and so on, but it's way more than that. And that when you have certain level of expertise, you see that there is a huge potential there. So our ABB3 is, is kind of the same. Like apart from solidifying everything, that the, all the features that we had before, like the, the possibilities are quite endless, let's say, of what you can do. Probably Emilio has like a lot of stuff to comment on, on that. But I see that like B3 is kind of, the attempt to factually become like a multi-chain protocol, like with joining points. Yeah, I think uh, um, you guys covered pretty much everything. I mean, the portal features, but also other features that were introduced all go like, for example, the risk admins, the way the isolation mode. So like all the new features that allow easier asset listing where uh, developed with the idea of a multi-chain protocol in mind, which comes with uh, their own challenges, of course. So, for example, governing the protocols like across multiple chains is going to be something that in which we will spend quite a bit of time researching because, of course, there is always the problem that not all the blockchains interact with Ethereum, can interact, can exchange messages with Ethereum. So, we cannot, like the approach of using governance that is based on Ethereum to govern all the different markets can be done in some cases. For example, it's done in Polygon and shortly will be after will be done in Arbitrum and Optimist, but cannot be done on Avalanche or Phantom or other networks without introducing some components of trust. So all of these are like challenges that we will face in the next months for sure. But those are also, I believe, very interesting challenges and like that they go in the direction of having a truly uh, liquidity layer across multiple chains. Totally. I probably should have asked earlier about V3, given it's really at the core of the strategy going forward. I mean, yeah, it touches so many areas, risk management, capital efficiency, cross-chain strategy with portal, governance, and more. And yeah, honestly, we could have a bunch of questions on each specific one of these. Given that this is a primarily governance-focused podcast, I have to ask, like, what is the sort of main focus on the governance side for V3? You talked a bit about like risk admins, which are pretty, I think, useful. Just curious what the holistic approach towards Ave V3 governance is. You know, about governance, I think it's like many different aspects to discuss. But in general, uh, we see that it's very important in the close future improve, let's say, cost of uh, participation. Because currently for us, it looks like it's kind of a blocker because of the very, very high Ethereum mainnet prices. And that's uh, what we want to focus in the close future. Apart from that, we want to make our token transfers cheaper. Because now the current uh, governance model includes quite big gas overhead on the token itself. And we want to remove this overhead, improve participation, and make it as cheap as possible, most probably moving to another chain. 
also about like the some aspects on ABV3 itself that they can be governed. Funny enough, like some of these extra permissions that they are introduced, like risk admin that you mentioned, or like uh, some other functions that there is like in the in the configurator. The main focus is on how to automate some of these uh, aspects. So we know that like the ABA governance at the moment is functional. With the new iteration of the ABA governance, hopefully will be orders of magnitude more functional. But at the same time, like we always believe that it's important to still minimize the governance aspects that we can minimize. Because when you have like too much governance decisions that your protocol depends on, it can become quite tricky. Like because you will need a lot of like coordination, you will need a lot of procedures. So like even if we know that it's unavoidable to have those kind of procedures and we are working on improving them, like I would say that some of the features on B3 like are precisely to protect against those procedures. So like having smart contracts, for example, like with the external rules of who can like list assets under certain conditions and that kind of stuff. I'm glad you brought up the scope of governance. A lot of teams we work with and listeners of the podcast, they're figuring out, hey, like how do we scope what governance is actually in charge of? Is it just meta governance, like designing the rules around governance or, you know, listing new assets, parameter tweaks, et cetera? How do you think about what governance should actually have control over? It's a pretty complex like question, I would say. Like in general, the less governance, the better. But I'm a hard believer that it's impossible to have any complex system without external governance. Because it will happen some in a way or another. Like maybe it will boil down to how is the governance about how to develop certain smart contracts initially, or how is the governance about, I don't know, how to manage a GitHub repo or like that kind of stuff. But there will be some governance. So how to fragmentate that and how to decide on what should be governance-based and not is pretty tricky topic. I would say. So, for example, in our case, we know that risk parameters is pretty difficult topic to not have governance involved, like because you need a lot of what we call off-chain computation, like to take a decision, which basically boils down to expertise, like putting, like program that expertise in a smart contract on Ethereum or any other chain is not simple. <laughs> you can probably do so a lot of stuff in terms of like suggesting or having an approximation on, on how maybe a parameter change should be, but it's just not realistic to have the whole uh, like process of decision there. So like at that point, you need to, to or delegate to external party, which already involves uh, some governance process of selecting that party, or like just simply deciding uh, outside how that is done. I don't know, like for example, in the, in the case of uh, MakerDAO, like for already a long time, like they had that in the governance, in the external governance, in our case, we had that for a long time. Now with the risk admin, maybe we are like um, like progressing a bit of having maybe one or like multifaceted party engage on that. I mean, it's a good example of what is not so easy to control uh, without governance. Then there are some other stuff that is easy, like or if not easy, like it's doable. For example, listings of assets before V3 uh, like was precisely the same how you evaluate if an asset is uh, good enough to get listed. And basically the question is, it still applies, like the non-answer to that question of is not possible to do it fully on chain. But with the new features of B3, the layers of protection that we have, like listing like siloed assets, listing uh, assets in uh, isolation, like putting a supply and borrow caps, you can actually define like certain layers of listing of assets, which cannot cause any harm to the protocol itself. So at that point, like you can have these, let's say, weaker processes offside because like you know that then they will some particular like protections will be enforced automatically on the listing. So designing this kind of mechanism around at the end it helps a lot to minimize uh, governance. It doesn't mean that there will be not be any governance, but it will mean that the process of governance can be simplified by orders of magnitude because you can define okay. For this initial type of listing, with uh, like really low supply cap and borrow cap, with no usage as collateral, with isolation, basically almost everybody can list their asset. The only maybe like a uh, thing that needs to be checked is some basic technical verification on the token, which basically anybody can out there with a bit of technical expertise can do. But then it gets listed, and the other processes are coming afterwards. But it unlocks a lot. So it's kind of this progressive approach of like let's try to. Minimize governance in some aspects. Some, some others we know that we cannot. 
or are not at least not right now with the maturity of the FC. Yeah, I believe that in all of this, everything that the guys already highlighted, everything kind of it needs to be designed around the token itself. Like when we talk about governance, we cannot avoid talking about the token. So it's well known that one of the uh, of the goals of BGD Labs will be to help the community implement different approach and different definitions, different usage of the Ave token in a way that is essentially community shared. And with that said, like all of this that we have mentioned, like cross-chain governance, governance minimization, evolves, in my opinion, also around the role of the token in regard to this particular topic. So what we can do, for example, one typical example is the liquidity miner. Right now on Aave, there is an active liquidity mining program that has been revisited like a few times already, usually every three months. The community needs to gather around the table and see how the three months before went in terms of market reaction to it. And based on that, like adjust the liquidity mining problem for the next three months. This, of course, brings quite a few problems. It brings a lot of overload for the community itself. It brings the need to have a vote every three months specifically for the liquidity mining program. So it requires a snapshot and it requires on-chain vote. While in my opinion, if we look specifically on this particular topic, if we look at other models that we have out there, like the curve model on this specific aspect, although it requires often votes by the community to decide like the liquidity mining allocation, it's kind of a one-off action. You know, you go and vote and that's it. It's more on uh, decided on specific feelings of the voter rather than having a quite a big overload of work behind it, right? So I think this is the perfect example of how like the governance participation can be reduced and at the same time by shifting that kind of workload on the token itself in direct uh, way, you know? So I think this is a broader concept, a broader topic that will kind of lead the way the uh, governance, the cross-chain management, the asset listing management, and the token itself will be reshaped in the upcoming months. You bring up the point of outsourcing some work to the token holders and kind of having them keep folks accountable. I guess like a lot of people, I think, are starting to notice there's, you know, vendors and service providers who are like making millions of dollars, you know, selling to DAOs. And if we see how this plays out in like a traditional company setting, like for whoever's worked at a large company knows, you know, there's someone or some group of individuals making purchasing decisions like, hey, we need to outsource risk or we need to outsource legal to this law firm or this risk provider. And you will negotiate the contract and, you know, you'll pay them maybe on a, on a quarterly basis, something like that. But if they're doing a bad job, you as the purchasing agent for the company could fire them or say, hey, guys, like, you know, if you don't start delivering, we're going to have to fire you, that sort of thing. And that way you can keep vendors accountable. It seems like in the DAO case, since the token holders are who keep vendors accountable, it's a little bit tricky just because the token holders are not in the details. And sometimes they don't actually know if the vendors are doing a good job or not. And as a result, you often see vendors who are getting millions of dollars, but don't actually contribute a lot of value to the DAO and token holders don't fire them for lack of a better word, because they just don't know. How do you think about these challenges? Well, I think, like, first of all, starting uh, for what you say at the end of that sometimes holders don't really know what the vendors are doing. I think that is completely on the side of the vendors. Like, this is a different, like, uh, ecosystem. So, like, for the good and for the bad. So, like, if a vendor is not really trying to explain, like, really transparently and trying to give, like, diffusion, uh, like, on the proper channels to the work that they are doing for a certain community, it basically means that the work is not so good as it should because transparency and like and how you report about what they, you are doing to your let's say customer in this case which is basically the whole community it should be one of the first priorities because if not this whole thing will just not work <laughs> it's not realistic like to have just parties that don't have deeper compromise with the community itself and actually i think that that should be if these parties have shown an initial compromise or if they show with other engagements with other DAOs, I think should be one of the most important like aspects to evaluate if the DAO wants to engage or not with them. Even as important as like the technical proficiency, because you know, like you can have the best 
developers in the world, but if you don't know if they are going to deliver something or if they are going to fulfill their promises, or if they don't present any kind of framework for the community to evaluate their, their work, how you can trust this, that things will get done uh, properly. Even more in the, in the DeFi space, like, or, I mean, blockchain uh, space in general, because everything moves really fast. So the cost of having like an engagement with a non-compromised team, like for, let's say, six months or one year, it can be completely catastrophic for the, the project itself, for the DAO. So it's a difficult topic, and I think it, there is a lot of responsibility for the vendors. But I think we will see more and more like improvement on, on that topic. Like one of the main points on our proposal, for example, is uh, trying to leave that really clear, that we are guys that were in the community before, not only on the Abigenesis team, me and Emily were, discussing about any kind of topic. Andre was also like participating in a lot of other topics in the community. So we are putting our, not only like the BGD brand, but we are putting our, our face on this. And most probably the most valuable uh, like contribution that we are doing is our compromise of saying that, guys, this is engagement of months, And if we say that we will do this, like we will for sure try to do this. Then obviously like this can change and maybe one feature becomes a different one over, over the 15 months. But if we say that we engage, like we will do our best. So, Yeah, I also think that, as I mentioned before, I, this is essentially, in my opinion, in the DAO space, we are kind of rediscovering like hundreds of thousands of years of like human coordination and community participation. You know, we can, again, like I mentioned before, we can really cannot reinvent the wheel. I think what we are trying right now with, DAOs is kind of a direct democracy, right? Where everyone has the possibility of sharing their opinion and their participation on material questions, on everything. And I think like without considering rare exceptions in general, this doesn't really work that well. We have been seeing like many centuries of the uh, development of the democracy. And I think like there is a powerful possibility and a powerful usage of the token in a way that is still, I think, pretty much underdeveloped, which is the delegation. I think like the DAOs that will really survive and thrive in the future will be DAOs which will be able to really concentrate their power in people that actually like put the time and the effort on really bringing the DAOs forward, which doesn't mean uh, like it's very much different compared to what we are doing right now in, uh, in normal kind of standard state democracies because everything is governed and enforced by smart contracts, right? So, for example, if we consider the, the delegation capabilities of the AVE token, you can delegate to anyone and like you can remove the delegation at any point in time and decide to delegate to someone else. Or you can get rid of your voting power altogether because... That particular voting power in the form of the token is very liquid and it's very fluid, right? So I think what we will, the role of delegators in the DAOs in general, even in the other governance, because right now there are not many delegators like that they claim to be kind of protocol politicians, I think is quite underdeveloped. And in my opinion, is the way forward. It's too complicated to run a community where everyone can say everything because it's, it usually brings chaos and brings unmanageability. But it's much easier when the community coordinates around a group of entities that are promoted to push that particular community forward, then it becomes much easier. So I think I see a lot of potential in this particular, in the role of protocol politician and DAO politician in, for the future. Totally agree. I think you guys clearly have a great deal of experience both as participants and in governance and now is on all sides of the table here. And just curious, like I think Ave's general approach towards working with DAO contributors has been, yeah, like having folks like BGD that have a lot of context and, and a lot of experience working for Ave and sort of just hiring them as as vendors or Sutoro or or the types of likes of Gauntlet, I kind of see it as, as a little different from the MakerDAO core unit model, where it's still people from a variety of backgrounds, from the, from the existing teams, but also from the community. But they really have these function-specific groups, like smart contracts, oracles, 
governance alpha. So yeah, just curious, like what you think of the MakerDAO core unit model, if you think it's working, if it's not working, what the pros and cons are, and just if you think it's in general something that's working. Well, I mean, like for what we can see uh, externally, it is working. Like uh, how well it's working, I don't really have access to the metrics on their side, but from my perspective, at least, like oh, like as the DeFi spectator, let's say, like is working. Like it was working uh, before when it was like um, when MakerDAO was foundation, uh, and it seems that right now is decently healthy. So about the approach, the the differences. I mean, I, I would say that in our case, it's a bit more uh, aggressive, I would say, because like we try to involve like people and it's actually our our main objective, involve people that before was not really involved. Because we know that if we try to only like grow people that is, it was already for a long time around the ecosystem, like can it be people from the Avagenesis team, like uh, we will reach a point where we will not be able like to expand as fast as others because this base knowledge of like what will be a more and more complex system over time it will be on in the like basically in the heads of like five or ten guys so like and we know that that cannot scale because you will find yourself in a situation where you need to when you try to explain somebody why he should join to have like the answer will be this is too complex so like which is if i have more alternatives of DAO you to join out there where I can learn in the in matter of like one month, why I should onboard in an ecosystem that requires three months of my, my learning only to start contributing. So our objective is to try to progressively enter in that phase right now. That is why from BGD, like we will try to still push that policy. That is why like the, the Genesis team before was pushing uh, that policy and they are still doing it. And that is why, for example, even when we talk with other parties like NEV, like I would put the example of Sertura, but when they were gathering the feedback from the community, from my side personally, I was uh, suggesting them, why don't you like put like a grants program with the funds uh, coming like from your allocation, your budget, and which objective will be to try to engage more external people to write formal verification rules to the app ecosystem. Which the main objective of that is like obviously is good for Sertora because uh, like people can learn how to use their tool. But at the same time, we will get like expertise of uh, security savvy people that are not familiar right now with Aave, but they are attracted by the Sertora technology. And basically, like by having some funding for grants on, on that direction, like they will hook into the Aave ecosystem. And kind of the same also with the what the grants DAO is doing. But in that case, it's a bit more like the other products that are built on top. So like there is like some incentive to learn how Aave works, even if then your product is not really a success. But you try, you get some funding, like so. So it's pretty good. So I will say that that is um, the main difference between our model. I mean, the other model and the MakerDAO. What is is going to be more successful over time? Well, I I don't really know. Hopefully, it will be ours. But uh, I believe that the MakerDAO model will be really successful too. So. Awesome. Yeah, I think the core unit model is MakerDAO has, has been around a while, and they've tried a, a few different experiments and a lot of folks pay attention to the core unit model. And I think there are a lot of things worth taking, but there's also some things that I think can be improved and it's worth trying different approaches and certainly uh, interesting and worthwhile to see what Abe is doing here. Yeah, I think like at the end, like at least from my perspective is that the MakerDAO gives a bit more external sense of bureaucracy involved in terms of like the terminology, in terms of like uh, where you need to onboard to contribute on certain parts, but maybe it's only my perception. The problem is that maybe some other people have the same perception. And if that becomes a barrier, which I don't really know if it is uh, at the moment, so that is the danger. But at the same time, uh, like in terms of operations, I'm pretty sure that it's quite optimal because the, like they are more or less aligned and they, they need to align like five or six entities and that's it. In these cases, you don't know Oh, yeah, I think with governance, there's definitely the risk of having too many voices, too many cooks in the kitchen and just over discussing, over analyzing every single little decision. So really prioritizing a, a few key stakeholders and, and vendors and trusting them is a good middle ground. My last question to you guys, like, how do you view the role of BGD Labs longer term in the broader ecosystem? Like, Obviously, you guys are, are super deeply involved in Aave. Like, 
in a variety of ways, but are there any other plans, any other projects that you guys are, are thinking about? You know, it's uh, quite hard to say, to be honest, because uh, 15 months uh, in DeFi, it's like, yeah, universe completely. In our case, as Ernest uh, mentioned before, we are compromising that we will be with uh, our community and we will be with our ecosystem for 15 months and we will try to do our best. But a lot of stuff will depend also on the technology on technology itself, because, for example, we see a lot of stuff interesting on L2 solutions, but we don't know when it will be delivered, how it will affect the ecosystem. And in general, we, we think that many things can change, depend on that. And that's why, like, for me, for example, it's quite a complicated question to answer. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, we don't even think about uh, like so much about this in 15 months because right now we are fully focused on the upside. Like even personally, like we are like so focused on the upside for the last four years that like honestly, I don't really have time to think about other stuff. So uh, we don't really know. Like hopefully. Everything will be will be good, and, and and we will keep like contributing like for the somehow for the next like five or ten years in in the hub ecosystem because that will mean that the hub is a, is a full success. But uh, right now, like I don't really know. Like probably like in fifteen months, like we will have the, the same conversation and it will be in similar status like of contributing to hub and and not knowing so much about the future. I think it's quite typical in the Pfizer. Great. Yeah, really excited to see you guys formally begin. I think the proposal is looking pretty good. And by the time this podcast is out, I think we'll have results. So super pumped for you guys. And yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty cool example of just like a full-time dev team funded by the Dow Treasury that is really able to take over some of the most essential maintenance and upgrades of a protocol managing tens of billions. So I think, yeah, this is definitely something that is precedent setting and will be a really important case study, frankly, for a lot of other protocols. So, yeah, Ernesto, Andre, Emilio, really appreciate you guys coming on today and, and talking through your, your proposal in BGD and wish you guys all the best luck going forward. Thanks a lot and thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, guys.